back. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on political outcomes and current events. My name's Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, and I'm joined on the line by none other than Long John Silver. Hey, buddy. Hey. How are you? I'm Solo. good. How are you? That feels like the same solo you did last week. I only know one solo. Okay. All right. Let me put away my little Casio keyboard. Actually, it's a Yamaha Portasound PS200. It's a Yamaha. I think someone asked if it was a Casio and I said it was a Casio, but it's actually a Yamaha and I apologize for that. Hmm. Um, Let me also show you my other piece of musical technology. That, of course, is a slide whistle. And um, that's just about all I have to contribute to this episode. So, John, take it away. Welcome to Election Profit Makers. Lots happened this week. Just uh, read that (laughs) Apple is not going to continue building their Apple car, their iCar. I never knew that they had one. You were very excited to share this news with me. I'm so disappointed. I love I was going to have that Apple car. It was going to be great. What were you going to do in your little Apple car? I don't know. Probably have. I don't know, iTunes on it. The only Apple car I need is the one that was designed by Richard Scarry and driven by a little worm named Lowly. Oh. Remember yeah. that Apple car? A literal literal Apple car. Yeah. Those Richard Scarry books, man. Cars and trucks and things that go. Yeah. That's that title is a tough title. That's good stuff, Richard Scarry. Yeah. That was a good book. I could picture that for sure. Back when we had Richard Scarry and Edward Gorey. And Stephen King, a scary, gory king. And now we have Elon Musk and Bill Gates, a musky set of gates that don't smell good. How far have we fallen? Sometimes I truly ask myself, America, when did we lose our way? America, when did we lose our way? Hey, ho, hey, America, when did we lose our way? Oh, hey, oh, I'm going to take it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America, when did we lose our way? Hey, oh, hey, America, when did we lose our way? Oh, hey, oh, hey, America. (laughs) When did we lose our way? America. When did we lose our way? Hey, 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 solo time. (laughs) Dude, it's the same one. God, that's good. Anyway, I'll stop being silly. Sorry, everybody. I'm really sorry. Let's go. Let's make this a normal episode. Go ahead. Okay. All right. <laughs> Did you see Shane Gillis on Saturday Night Live? I don't you know, know what you're talking about, He's man. a comedian. So... He's a comedian. What? Shane Gillis. Oh, right. Yeah. No. What? I, yeah. Why would we? Do, what? Let me look at the outline real quick. Is this stuff really in the outline? No, this is on my personal outline that I have that okay, I Okay. You like want to talk about Shane Gillis? You were sending me Shane Gillis videos from Twitter. I every, was like, I'm, I'm not clicking. sending you so much. Everything I send to David is like, I can't watch this because I'm watching True Detective. Right. And also, I won't click on Twitter I think links. actually- I think we should just talk about True Detective. I don't know anything about it, but if oh you my want God, the floor, I would love to talk, talk about, about True Detective. Detective for 40 minutes because I can't talk to you about anything during the week because I want to talk about Shane Gillis. You don't want to talk about it. What do you want to say about Shane Gillis? He went to Elon. Oh, that's right. Okay, so explain who Shane Gillis is and then – right. He, he's a He's a comedian. He's – 
I guess people would say he's a right wing comedian, but I I I, I kind of don't think he is. I think he he plays to that some. Um, but he he was somebody who was a comedian who got selected to be on Saturday Night Live like five years ago, and then they found a bunch of things that he said that were, you know, racist and stuff like that in in uh, podcasts. So he lost his job. Chinese people's accents, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Right. Use the R word. I think a lot of his stuff is he's sort of channeling other people being jerks. So that I think that's how he would defend it. So I'm pretty much a big Shane Gillis fan now that I found out that he went to Elon. Right. So the big twist is he was fired from he had been hired and then dismissed from Saturday Night Live, right? Right. Because he was canceled by the woke mob. But now he's back and he hosted Saturday Night Live. He hosted Saturday Night Live and then you found out he went to Elon and now he's your favorite comedian. Yeah. Did you watch him on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I saw a couple sketches. I, I thought they were okay. Oh, come on. You got to do better than that. This is your boy. He survived cancellation yeah, he and he awesome. went to Elon. Let's take that funny. again, man. I thought it was funny. I thought he was pretty funny. I think he's a, a pretty funny guy. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, people are going to be so mad that I said that, though. You know what, man? Speak your truth. Let them try to cancel you. It's just one of these things. He went to Elon and played Division One football at Elon for one year. So he's good in your book, right? Yeah, I got a soft spot in 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 my heart for him. Uh huh. And I saw that there was a stop the steel pinball machine at CPAC. Wait, are we're not done with Shane Gillis, John? Don't try to don't try to weasel out of this. What's your favorite racist stereotype? What's your What's the funniest racist stereotype that you love so much? Who? What's your favorite Joe Rogan fact that you learned from Joe Rogan or your favorite emotional truth that you learned from Dr. Jordan Peterson, the famous Canadian crybaby? I I have not listened to Jordan Peterson that much. I have heard some Joe Rogan stuff. Joe Rogan is just dumb. He kind of is, right? Yeah. I think we've talked about Joe Rogan before, but let's talk about him for just like one more minute. Is he one of those people who thinks Egyptians didn't build the pyramids and that it was aliens? Is he like yeah, an ancient probably. aliens guy? Yeah, yeah. Back to Shane Gillis. Is Shane Gillis dumb? I, it's hard. You know what? I, I don't, don't care. I don't want to talk about Shane dumb. Gillis. You know what I mean? You can't be dumb. Is he a bad boy? Yeah, he's a little bit of a bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Is he our bad boy of the week? Hmm. Let me ask you a question. This is a real pivot. Would you consider the Michigan Democrats, who are saying that they are not going to vote for Joe Biden no matter what, and they don't even care if Donald Trump becomes president, are they bad boys? Does that fit into – I mean, put aside the politics of it. Put aside the ethics of it or the morality of it. We can honor the fact that they have deeply deeply held beliefs and they're justified in having that anger. Is this public, very public demonstration of their principles – it's a little bit, it has a little bit of the bad boy vibe, I think, because they know they're driving other Democrats up the wall by refusing to vote for Genocide Joe. Yeah. I think we have to say that some of these Michigan Democrats are bad boys. No, you're right. I mean, like Chapo Trap House. They, little stinkers. They're the ultimate bad boys. Right. Yeah. Ultimate bad boys. So Should we get into the Michigan primary? It's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Michigan primary happening today, Tuesday, February 27th. There's a giant write-in campaign where people are supposed to write uncommitted, and that is going to derail Biden or at least make a some sort of statement. 
they're thinking they're going to get like 15,000 people to do that. But looking back, it looks like the uncommitted is in the previous primaries in Michigan, that uncommitted always gets about like 15,000. So if they do that, I don't think that's going to be that impressive. If they if they reach that benchmark of 15,000 again? Yeah. So let's remind people, Trump won Michigan by about 10,000 votes in, 26, in 2016. Biden won Michigan. He beat Trump in 2020. And now people are saying that Biden might lose Michigan to Trump because of Muslim Americans' frustration with uh, the war in Gaza. Right. I disagree with that. That he'll lose Michigan? I mean, he may lose Michigan, but I don't think it's going to be because of that. Um, the The Arab American population in Michigan is about 2%. And Biden won Michigan by 2.8%. If you had like a worst case scenario where every single one switched from Biden to Trump, then at most it would cost him a point. So I, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think the, the biggest problem right now. I think everybody's freaking out. Just to get into the polling for a second, I think everybody's freaking out. They're looking at this catastrophic polling in Arizona, in Georgia, and they're they're seeing Biden down, you know, big numbers. But the truth is that that Arizona and Georgia in 2020 were voting four points to the right of the nation. So as the nation went in the in the the popular vote, Biden won by four points and he won by like zero points in Arizona and Georgia. So right now, Trump is ahead in the in the national environment. He's ahead by two. So you would expect if Arizona and Georgia are like they were in 2020 voting four points to the right, you'd expect him to be down six points in those states. So it's not anything that's specifically happening in those states right now. It's just the national environment sucks for Biden. I think it's 100% all because of his age. Yes. And maybe a little inflation. Actually, probably a lot of inflation. Prices going up and stuff. But let's get back to Michigan. Okay. Let's make a little bet. We don't have to put money on it, but let's make a gentleman's wager, as they say. How many people will write in uncommitted in Michigan today to spook Biden without actually punishing Biden? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say 17,000. I'm going to say it's more than 17. I'm going to say it's 20,000. Let's write this down and, and make sure we have it for the permanent record. Michigan primary Dem uncommitted. Sorry, what was yours again? 17,000. I'll say 20,000. Okay. We'll find out. I have no beef with the uncommitted strategy. They should scare Biden. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The Biden campaign should hope that's the worst of their that's the worst of their fears, an uncommitted writing campaign that's supposed to spook him into action. Biden said that he was going to have a ceasefire by next Monday. Hamas is like, we haven't heard anything about a ceasefire. I don't know, man. This is just like COVID. Remember when COVID started and I was like, John, stop freaking out. This will be over in two months. Yeah, I still have the text messages. You were like, John's totally freaking out. No one's going to be. It's not going to affect anyone but like old people. Yeah, I was pretty right about that. <laughs> Then there was the Hamas war, and I was like, it'll be over by by the election. People will have forgotten well, about it. Hey, I said yeah, the same it'll thing. It'll be over by then. What is that? Am I dumb or just... Well, no, the, your, COVID te- your COVID stuff was dumb. But I, I don't think you were dumb to think, because it's ridiculous to think that this is, would still be going on. It's dumb that this is still going on. You mean it's dumb of Israel and Hamas that it's still yeah, going? So right, you, yeah, so you were thinking they're smart. 
they'll do this and then they'll stop it because by continuing it, it's just, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's just wrong. I think the COVID thing, let's turn back to COVID. It is the four year anniversary of COVID kind of, right? What is it? This is February 20, 2024. Yeah. This is just about the four year anniversary of COVID. COVID has just about completed its first term in office. <laughs> let's, let's look at the numbers. <laughs> Are we going to reelect COVID? <laughs> yeah, I think we are going to. Re- I think COVID is kind of like emperor for life, right? Isn't that what being an, en- an endemic is? Like, yeah. you're like the um, king or the queen. It's like you're just always around and you're not really in the government, but you kind of are in the government. Right. It's an honorary. You, you get to keep the title of president. King COVID. COVID. We all live in king COVID's, COVID. King- <gasps> COVID's kingdom. Ooh, that yeah. would be a great name for a nonfiction book about the reality of living with COVID. You know what? I t- I would really like to read a book about the reality of living with COVID because I w- would just love to read more about COVID and talk about. <laughs> You've it. never read a single article Beca- about COVID. Be- You've read a hundred thousand. No, nobody tweets has. About- no, nobody has talked about COVID or read a single article about COVID in the last four years. Because has COVID been <laughs> killing it? I mean, killing COVID. COVID. Killing COVID. COVID's kingdom coming this yeah. fall from Alfred oh. A. Knopf. Can you imagine how many people would not buy that? <laughs> Even if it was good, it's just people are, they, nobody wants to. When COVID no. started four years ago. It was fascinating. I loved it when it started. I didn't like it, but I was interested. I mean, I read everything. And I and, said, and, stop sending know. me all these fear-mongering articles about COVID. It's not going to be a big deal. That was probably because I was trying to keep myself from panicking. Because I do suffer from catastrophic thinking sometimes. I think I was probably protecting myself and telling myself, ah, it's no big deal. Like how people probably do that with global warming and stuff. Stuff they can't control. If you admit to the reality of it, you're going to feel very distressed. Maybe that caused my... I think it was just a week of poo-pooing COVID as a big deal. I think it was part that. I think it was partly that we had been together on this trip, on this cruise. We were on the Jonathan Colton cruise as COVID was breaking, really breaking. The world completely changed while we were on that cruise. Right. And I think you were sick of me. I was having issues with you on that cruise. That's correct. And same. And What issues could you – you snored so much worse – well – Put that aside. Keep going. I think that, yeah, you you had had it with me and you didn't like that I was excited about COVID. Yeah, that's true. I needed a break from you. Because right. you yep. thought you were like, John is really loving this like he loves disasters. Right. And I do love it. And I did love COVID, but it just in an interest, you know, it, it but was. But I was like, I need, a, I need a fucking break from this autistic motherfucker. <laughs> Who gets excited about disasters and wants to share statistics? I was like, I was like, so COVID happened. So that, so that happened. So that explains me poo-pooing COVID. And then, obviously, once it became clear that it was sort that we were all sorting into our political camps based on our reaction to COVID, I was like, well, I guess I guess I better move across the room and go over to this side with the science nerds and say it's a big deal. So that all got sorted out. I don't know why I thought that the Israel-Hamas thing would be over so quickly and wouldn't be a big deal. I mean, there's still plenty of time between now and November, especially if there's a ceasefire next week. But let's assume there's not a ceasefire and it keeps grinding and grinding. We're at, like what, 30,000 Palestinian dead. Many of them are women and children. It's sick. It's awful. 
and it's a huge deal, obviously, there. It's a horrible, horrible deal. But I think politically in the United States, I'm not certain it's a big deal here. In that sense, maybe my prediction will be true. Oh, it won't matter by the time we have the election in November between Biden and Trump. Trump will not win the election because Biden went too easy on Israel. That's what you're saying. No, he'll win it because Biden shuffles his feet and gets confused and says the milk is too expensive or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. What will happen in the future? The person who can answer that question with 100% confidence, they're in the catbird seat. What will happen in the future? You should ask ChatGPT that. What do you think it would say? God, I, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about artificial intelligence this week. I'm so exhausted from all the stupidity surrounding artificial intelligence, including the stupidity that is coming out of artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Well, I don't, well, I don't care. <laughs> we had the primary in South Carolina this weekend. It was a little bit uh, surprising to me how well Haley did. Haley got about 40%. Right. I mean, Trump whooped her. He kicked her butt. But you're on the Josh Marshall train now. You're thinking like these numbers are not actually that good for Trump. Is that what Josh Marshall is saying? Oh, yeah. He says that after every single primary. He's like, listen, guys, yeah, he won handily. But as the de facto incumbent, when your opponent is getting 40 percent, it's not so nice. Not so nice for you. But it's worth noting that South Carolina is an open primary. So meaning that Democrats and independents could could vote. That's like the Nate Silver take, I think, is like you can't read anything into these numbers. These are all Democrats voting for Haley. Trump's lockdown on his party is absolute. Yes, I, I think. I think I might have to agree with Nate Silver. Mm. Shane Gillis, Nate Silver, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, John Kimball. No, not Joe Rogan. That's all the artificial intelligence I need, and it's real intelligence. And if I want emotional intelligence, I'll just talk to Jordan Peterson. I bet Jordan Peterson does have some smart things that he says oh if God. you listen to him enough. Okay. Do you think it's possible that you could be red-pilled, you know, if you started following that stuff. Now we're getting into it. Let's see. Could I get red-pilled? Yeah, absolutely. If I lived in, we've talked about this. If I lived in Pyongyang, if I was North Korean, I would yeah. be so far up <laughs> Kim Jong-un's butthole trying to be on his- No, you like, would Because I have a That's natural deference true. to authority and I want to please like the mommy figure and the daddy figure. If my daddy, <laughs> okay. if, if, <laughs> if daddy like- Noam Chomsky used to be daddy. Okay, let's really use this lingo. Noam Chomsky used to be daddy, and I really believed in the stuff that Noam Chomsky wrote. If Jordan Peterson became my new daddy, yeah, I would totally get red-pilled. There's no question in my mind. I'm such a people pleaser. I am so deferential to the powerful. I grew up in the church, you know? Yeah. I grew up kneeling on hard-ass wooden pews, confessing my sins to God and begging for forgiveness. You think I couldn't be red-pilled by some weepy Canadian psychologist? Of course I could. Especially when he talks about that band that was playing that was playing Ghost Riders in the Sky at the bar and he started sobbing about it. That was like worse than me talking about Dex Romweber the other day. He's like, he's like yeah, they're like achieving this balance between freedom and anarchy and it's so beautiful. It's like, calm down. <laughs> calm down, Dr. Peterson. Some stuff I probably could not be red-pilled about, but I'm sure, oh yeah, I bet I could be red-pilled. 
What about you? Could you be red pilled? Yes, I think so. Yeah. You know, I've told you that, that TikTok has red pilled me t- to be one million percent against the cops. Yeah, but that's not red pilled. That's blue pilled. We're not talking about just changing your opinion on something. When you said red pilled, I thought you meant you will become like more hateful. More yeah. reactionary, more conservative, right? Isn't that what it means? Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah, I think there's certain things I could get red pilled on. Yeah, I mean, after all, we're both white straight men, so we're 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 the perfect candidates. We're the to perfect candidates, except for our entire upbringing and sensibility. But other than that, if you're just, you know what I mean, like yes, yes, yes. Other than all that, but somewhere deep down in us is something horrible, probably. I know a guy who went to the same college I did, which is a prestigious liberal arts college in, o- in Ohio called Oberlin College, which was known, is still known for being very, quote unquote, politically correct and progressive and, and all those things, right? Right. And this guy was, a, I would call him a friendly acquaintance of mine. I think he was a year ahead of me. I, I think he's majored in religion. And he spent a lot of time in Asia, and he is now 100% MAGA, according to a mutual friend. So you can get red-pilled even if you went to Oberlin College in the 90s. And who knows, maybe some of the excesses that we experienced on campus at the height of the PC wars maybe helped him become red-pilled. Absolutely. No, you're more likely to become red-pilled as a reaction. Yeah, maybe so, because you're like, come on, guys, this is a little much. It's just lucky charms. It's not anti-Irish imperialism or whatever, you know, whatever the case du jour is. You know, like I wouldn't spend more than 10 minutes alone with Jordan Peterson in an elevator because I know that when I stepped off the elevator, I would be (laughs) a raging, weeping, transphobic, anti-woke, conservative, Christo-nationalist, Christo-fascist. And I would not be able to listen to Ghost Riders in the Sky without bursting into tears because of the be- the delicate balance between freedom and liberation and, and, and anarchy and chaos that that song represents. But I'll tell you one thing, would I be making my bed very much and putting my clothes away very much? My house would be looking so tight and grown up. Yeah. I'd be shaving yeah. every single day. You wouldn't see a minute's worth of stubble on my beard. Yeah. Isn't that what he talks about? Uh, yeah. 12 yeah, Steps for great. Yourself or whatever that – what's his famous book called? The Steps of Power? I have no idea. He has a famous – it's like a self-help book. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? Do no. you know anything about any topic that, I'm, that I want to talk about? Hold on a second. I, d- I don't know anything about Jordan Peterson. How no. do you not – you spend all day on Twitter. How do you not know about Jordan Peterson? I mean I, I, I don't know what books he's written. Okay. He wrote a book called Beyond Order. But I thought he wrote a book about making your bed and like tidying up. Twelve Here it is, 12 Rules for Life. This is the book I'm talking about, 12 Rules for Life. Hang on a second, everybody. I'm waiting for the Barnes & Noble website to load. Yeah, 12 Rules for Life, colon, an antidote to chaos. He really... (laughs) Okay, hang on a second. Dr. Jordan P. Peterson is your doctorate in hyperbole. Wait, where, where are you going? What happened? I was just having fun talking and now John walked away. All right. So this will just be my little sub, my little sub podcast about Jordan Peterson while John does whatever he's doing. Here's the description of the book. Humorous, surprising, and informative. Dr. Peterson tells us why skateboarding boys and girls must be left alone. What terrible fate awaits those who criticize too easily. Uh oh. And why you should always pet. A- Wait, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I need that book. 
how to manage chaos. And this is like all that. It's like middle brow bullshit about how. Yeah. Did you know that when you when you stand up straight, the amygdala in your brain releases 12 percent more serotonin to your axon receptors like. Yeah, it's, it's like the farmer's almanac. It's basically like the farmer's almanac. You know that when your knees hurt, the rain is coming from the east, but it's gu- but it's gussied up yeah. in like um, pop psych- pop psychology. Yeah, what do they call that stuff? Pop psychology, like e. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, all that kind of. It's airport psychology. It's called airport book psychology. That's what this is. Yeah, it's another exa- Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. It's great stuff. It's great. It's good. It, it can, it, it's awesome. Imagine if, it. Why doesn't Tony Robbins just beat the shit out of Jordan Peterson? He could break him in half. Why yeah, did Tony could. Robbins, this big alpha male with the world's most incredibly deep voice, as soon as he saw Jordan Peterson's shadow darkening his doorway of being the king of airport bookstore pop psychology books, right. why didn't he just pound Jordan Peterson into jelly? Why did he let Jordan Peterson get so close to the throne? That's a huge that's a huge black mark on Tony Robbins' career as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's interesting. Tony Robbins should have picked up all those hot coals that he asked his followers to walk across and just smashed them into Jordan Peterson's face and said, "Go back up to Canada. You can't handle the heat." God, why, why don't those guys fight? I would love to see that fight. I don't know. I don't know. We, I think we need to move on. Hey, you know, there's a California Senate race. John, I already voted. I voted in it. Already? Yeah, I voted by mail. I walked around yesterday with my I voted sticker on and it worked. So the kid at the coffee shop was like, was there an election today? I was like, yeah, I voted by mail. I got a ballot in the mail. He's like, oh, I think I threw my ballot away. Is that what that was? I was like, don't worry. You can vote in person on March 5th. Boom. Nice. Citizen of the year much. Nice. The sticker was pulling its weight. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's very cool. So who did you vote for? Is that, are we allowed to say? You can say, right? You just can't take a photo of the ballot. Are we allowed to say who we voted for? No. No, we're not. We have a Senate race. We actually have a short-term replacement Senate race and then a full-time six-year term Senate race. The three leaders are Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. Right. I did the classic thing. I split the difference. I voted for Katie Porter. Barbara Lee is the best. She famously was the only person to not vote after 9-11 for the um, uh, authorization, as it's pronounced. (laughs) Do you think think that's why they called it that? So they could be like, yeah, we're about to go off on these terrorists. A-U-M-F. That's all I can think of. What does it stand for? Authorization for use of military force. It's kind of what allowed Operation Enduring Freedom to begin in October. Right. Barbara Lee voted against it. was she very vindicated since that vote? Yeah. Um, but because in California, the two leading vote getters in the Senate primaries will face each other. Okay. Adam Schiff, who's leading and will probably win, didn't want to have to face Katie Porter in the general. So he was hyping up Steve Garvey, a former baseball player who's the Republican candidate. He's doing some of that 12-dimensional chess that we've seen from other Democrats. Okay. Schiff knows he's more likely to win if he's facing a Republican. So he was boosting this Republican disingenuously, right? Mm-hmm. At the expense of Porter and Lee. I don't think Barbara Lee could beat Adam Schiff head to head. So I voted for Katie Porter. She seemed to have the highest chance to take Schiff on and take Schiff out. 
I don't know why I'm so down on Adam Schiff. Because it's cool. Is that what it it's is? It's the cool thing to be. Yeah. It's because- Israel stuff? Probably. Yeah. Katie Porter isn't that much better on Israel than Adam Schiff. She's a little better, but I, and yeah. Katie Porter is like, I like her the way I like Elizabeth Warren. I like them using diagrams to yell at the banks. That's really what I want. Right. You know, there's these rumors that Katie Porter is 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 difficult to work Good. with. Good, but but I would not go out and say anything bad about Katie Porter. I think you would be in trouble. You mean people wouldn't like that? What do you mean? I just think she's got a big fan club. Oh, I see. And I think Adam Schiff is not cool. Adam Schiff is a dork. He's famous because of the. Um... Jan 6 stuff. Which I thought he did a good job. Yeah, he was great. But it's like, I don't care about that anymore. Right. Let's put the past behind us. Remember what Obama kept saying about prosecuting Bush for war crimes? Let's put the past behind us. Let's not keep relitigating the past. That's how I feel about Jan 6 and the Jan 6 hostages. Yeah, I said it. I've been red-pilled already. Mm -hmm. Just looking at the Barnes & Noble page for Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Living and Antidote to Chaos have already been red-pilled, and I'm going to refer to the Jan 6 hooligans as hostages. What do you think about that? That's the power of um, the power of the written word, the power of the concept Did of the mind. Did you see that at the CPAC convention God, in Washington that they had, a January six, they had a January 6 pinball machine? Say it again, because I was still talking about- At the CPAC convention yes. in Washington. The Conservative Political Action Committee. Or whatever. They had a January 6th themed pinball machine. So we're back on our pinball discussion. Ride the Ferris wheel. Right. What do you think the spirit of that pinball game was? I mean, it's a genius idea. I can't believe they did it. And I have a comparison I'm making one moment. But what do you think the deal was with that pinball machine? I mean, are you trying to say that it was like satire? Well, yeah. Is it trolling? I don't think so. Does the game work um, semiotically because they know yes. it will trigger people or because they truly think Jan 6 was fun and no big deal and we should make a game about it? Or is it just like, this is so charged, we'll get so much attention if we make this game? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. No, I hadn't thought of it that way. But you're right. It, it would serve all of those purposes. Because on the other side of the political spectrum, on the left side of this political spectrum, you ever listen to a podcast called True Anon? You ever heard of that podcast? Yep. True Anon is a good podcast. Well, some episodes are better than others. I don't listen to all of them. But True Anon is kind of like a left podcast. It's kind of like part of the Chapo Trap House extended cinematic universe, I think. Okay. And they also put out a Jan 6 game, but theirs is a Jan 6 board game. And they put theirs out relatively recently also. It's horseshoe theory. Because liberals are upset about January 6th, both the CPAC and TrueAnon can agree on the fact, well, well, then we should definitely make sense of, Jan we should definitely make fun of January 6th. Because if all these liberals think it's a big deal, it's probably not a big deal. And they're using it to distract us from these deeper issues. CPAC is probably right. like these deeper issues of illegal immigrants voting for Biden or whatever. And true and like right. these deeper issues of us not being a communist country or Marxist or whatever they, however they identify themselves over on that side. And I hate to be the guy who says it, but you know what, guys, like January 6th was kind of a big deal. Like you don't have to love, you don't have to love Nancy Pelosi to be like a attempted coup in the United States. Like that's bad guys. Come on. It wasn't an attempted coup. They were the, the police just opened the doors and let them in. <laughs> you should make a board. You should make a board game about um, January 6th. 
It was very friendly. Nobody was armed. No one was beating the crap out of the police. Yeah, it was pretty Nobody nice. Nobody was threatening to hang anyone. So we now have a Jan 6 board game and a Jan 6 pinball game. Is there a 9-11 pinball machine? Whoa, is there? Mm, I don't, Hold I on. Let me look up 9-11. Imagine. I don't no. think there's a 9-11 pinball game. But to me, January 6 and 9-11 are, are both sort of traumatic events. There is not a 9-11 themed pinball okay. game. Okay. <laughs> All right. You Googled it. Yep. Flight 93, maybe? That would be a hell of a pinball game. Yeah. Let's roll. Let's oh, roll. That's what you could call it. Let's roll. I can almost see that pinball game. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, what were we talking about? These um, this pinball game. You just you you, you threw that out there because you wanted me to stop talking about a certain Canadian. Okay, fine. Yes. You have anything else you want to say about it? Nope. Folks, something interesting is happening on the Election Profit Makers Discord, which is that last week John and I were discussing a famous book about Moby Dick. Famous novel by Herman Melville about uh, Moby Dick. And some of our listeners on the Discord have decided to start a Moby Dick book club. They're all going to read Moby Dick and then discuss it on the... Did you not see this? No. Why are you looking so no, agog? I... Why, you look like Captain Ahab when he first sights the mighty white leviathan. No, I didn't see that. I only spend spend time in the sports channel. Oh, God. All right. Folks, if you want to join some EPM listeners in reading Moby Dick as a group, I think you have to read 75 pages a week, and then you discuss it online. Join the Election Profit Makers Discord. You can join um, uh, via Patreon, the famous website that helps us make money to survive. Patreon.com slash Election Profit Makers. All I have to say is happy sailing to you guys. I'm not sure I will be joining you for this journey. I have a big stack of books I'm already committed to, including a book I'm reading right now, which is really great. It's called The Haunting of Hill House, and it's spooky, genuinely spooky. I couldn't finish the TV show, but I'm really enjoying the book. Do you know who that you ever heard of that? The Haunting of Hill House? Yes. By Shirley Jackson. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of a short story called The Lottery? Does that mean anything to you? No. Oh, bruh you got to read that short story. No spoilers. Okay. It's called The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Report back next week. Can you pledge to do that? Uh, no. God damn it. UNC Basketball Sports Update. John, what's on deck for us this week in terms of the update? Hey. Well, I can just tell you last week that uh, Carolina went into Charlottesville where they played UVA, it was a place they have not won since 2012, and they beat the Cavaliers 54 to 44. At halftime, the score was 26 to 16. It was absolutely a miserable game because that's the style of basketball that Virginia plays. And Duke, I would like to say, went to Wake Forest and lost. So Carolina is now in first place, sole possession of first place in the ACC, in the driver's seat. It's exciting stuff. Carolina last night beat Miami in Chapel Hill. R.J. Davis, the UNC Port Guard, scored 42 points, a Smith Center record. In fact, it is the most points scored in regulation by a Carolina player since Charlie Scott did it in 1970. So, pretty exciting stuff. 42 points. Explain the significance of Charlie Scott. Well, Charlie Scott was the uh, first African-American scholarship player at UNC and uh, one of the first in the ACC. I I believe 
Maryland might have had the first. And um, that's the significance right there. He was brought in under Coach Dean Smith. They wrote a book about him that I read called Game Changers. Did you read that? I don't think I did, but I mean, I know the story. Lefty Giselle, who just recently passed away, who was the coach of Davidson at the time, was also recruiting Charlie Scott. And they tried to go out to lunch somewhere in Davidson, and it was segregated. They refused to to seat him. And when Dean Smith had him to Chapel Hill, he made sure to take him to uh, Slugs at the Pines, which was a segregated place in Chapel Hill. And they sat him, and Dean Dean brought his um, his minister as well. So Slugs at the Pines, remember that? Remember it was way. It was on the outskirts of town back in the day. It was like a fancy restaurant to go to. It was. Slugs at the Pines. We used to really make jokes about that name. Because is that a good name for a restaurant? Slugs at the Pines? It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Slugs at the Pines. Hmm. Hmm. Memories. So R.J. Davis, seventh Tar Heel ever to score 42 or more points, joins Charlie Scott, Shaman Williams, Bobby Lewis, George Glamick, and Lenny Rosenbluth and Billy Cunningham. There are a lot of big-time players there, several Hall of Famers. That's the end of the Carolina sports update. There you go. Listener questions. We have a lot of them, and we've got one that we have skipped over for three weeks in a row. I don't know why I feel so compelled to read this missive from Ed. It is so long. It's really long. I'll try to read it really quickly. This is kind of be just like a little fun exercise, yeah. like when they read the disclaimers at the end of a pharmaceutical ad or something. Okay. We had talked about Austin, Texas within the last few episodes, I think, and I was I was saying that I don't think Austin is the same as it used to be and that I think it's kind of overrated these days. Uh, anyway, Ed wrote in. I listened to David's comments about Austin, Texas on a recent episode, and I wanted to chime in. I am not a native of Austin, but I have lived here since 2005 when our family relocated after Hurricane Katrina. I'm continually amazed at how quickly Austin has changed in the last 20 years since I've been here. To be clear, it's always been a somewhat overhyped and mediocre city, Uh oh, and only truly impressive to people who moved here from other crummier parts of Texas. I'm biased because my comparison is with New Orleans, where I had lived for 15 years and a place I still miss deeply. But unlike New Orleans, Austin had a well-functioning government, great infrastructure, good schools and libraries, high levels of safety, and some of the more favorable elements of traditional Southern culture, like generally friendly, easygoing, and polite people. It turned out to be a pretty good place to raise our son, but he's off to college now, and we're packing up, John, to move. Texas is just too much these days between its toxic politics completely car-centric lifestyle, fragile electrical grid, and just insane devotion to the free market. At this point, if you're stuck in Texas, Houston, and San Antonio are probably better places to live than Austin. They're more affordable, they have more pedestrian-friendly neighborhoods, and are much more diverse with much more progressive politics. We bought our house 14 years ago in what you'd call a transitional neighborhood. It was pretty working class with small mid-century bungalows, about 50-50 renters and homeowners, as a large government housing development two blocks away. Since then, the neighborhood has been built up first by gentrifiers like us, who fixed up the old houses, and then by the developers who bought up many of the older properties, tore them down, and built Texas brutalist McMansions with Tesla charging ports for all the libertarians that fled California. Or, more often, 
People who live between various red states and come here for the occasional weekend and rent out their house to bachelor and bachelorette parties on Airbnb. The younger tech workers in Austin live in condos and do their best to avoid even making eye contact with anyone that isn't in their demographic. The vibe in my neighborhood is now hived off, bougie, and self-important. Because real estate is so expensive, restaurants can't afford to take any risks. So just about every place to eat is a wannabe chain concept or mostly an empty seating area for people to wait for their DoorDash pickups or just super boring and always overpriced. Live music capital of the world or whatever, that's hyperbolic. Have you ever heard of New Orleans? And don't get me started on South by Southwest. (laughs) Now we're getting into it. It's insanely expensive to attend, completely isolated from the actual community, similarly self-important, and there's always a new racket like crypto NFTs, gut biomes, paleo diet, etc. Honestly, this city is terrible, Ed continues, guns blazing. Between Tesla's self-driving cars, which are still a thing here, robots delivering pizza with human guards riding behind the robot on a Segway, abandoned scooters and hulking SUVs whizzing down the streets, Austin is the epitome of boring dystopia. (sighs) I feel bad for all the old liberals who moved here from other parts of Texas to attend college and are now watching Austin follow Texas's descent into gerrymandered madness, swarmed with fitness influencers, Bitcoin miners, and other grifter types. They desperately want to believe there's something special here. I don't think there was ever anything really amazing here, but it was affordable and adequate. Even that is gone. Now that we're empty nesters, we're selling our house for a nice profit, and we plan to plow much of that into a new home in, guess where, John? Philadelphia, which is like a poor man's New York City with decent public transportation, walkable neighborhoods, and sane politics, which is saying a lot these days. Anyway, Ed concludes, thanks for calling out the game on Austin. I think it's important that people know it's not really a blue bubble or whatever else someone might tell them to justify living in a state that is the laboratory for some really bad ideas. God damn. Ed, thank you for validating my feelings about Austin, Texas, and have a great time in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a great city. Yeah. You ever been to Philadelphia, John? Hell of a city, John. A hell of a yeah, city. Yeah, I have not spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I've been to Philadelphia, I would say, five or six times, frankly. It's certainly not as car-centric as Austin. Yeah. The but car really, thing is just so distressing. But every city... I mean, okay, so what cities are less car-centric than Austin? New York City, for one. Okay. Boston. Philadelphia. East Coast cities. Old yeah, East Coast not, cities that were... Just not very many. Austin is just like pretty much every city in America except for New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, San Francisco. Hmm. Let me think on that. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that I don't think it's any more car-centric than everywhere else. So you're saying that Ed should not use the fact that Austin is car-centric as a demerit against Austin because just about every city is car-centric. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Austin's no more car-centric than Raleigh or Durham or Charlotte or Richmond or Atlanta. I don't know if that's true. It probably, I mean, obviously, it would depend on what neighborhood you're in. Yes, it would depend on what neighborhood. If you're in a neighborhood where you can walk to the grocery store, that's all I need. Let me walk to my Trader Joe's and get my food and bring it home and without using a car. I had to go to the pharmacy this morning. Here we go. Yeah? And it took an hour just to go pick up a prescription. Why? Just because it was like 20 minutes to drive over there and then Yeah, it sucks, it right? Then, yeah. Yeah. And I, I live in Chapel Hill in Carborough, 
which is like one of the densest places in North Carolina. And um, yeah, completely car centric. Cars are bad. We got a letter here from Will. Mm -hmm. Will writes in on episode 246, John was discussing a 30 year old hurricane when he introduced David to the term half a cane. David was immediately dismissive of this term and called it corny. And I stand by that assessment, Will. Will says, I respectfully disagree with David. I think trash talking a hurricane is one of the toughest things you can do. Hmm. Speaking of tough things, he continues, I found myself referring to things as tough specifically because I love the way that David says tough and talks about things that are tough. When I am driving with my girlfriend, Wait, I will do point I do out- do I do that a lot? I say things are tough? Yeah, 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 definitely. You're like, that's tough. Like what? Like Vivek Ramaswamy or something? No, no, you do it. All right. No, you definitely say that. Yeah. Dr. Jordan Peterson? Yeah. He's tough. When I'm driving with my girlfriend, I will point out road signs and exclaim, that is tough. <laughs> Some of my favorites right, are- I fuck with you, Will. Danger, falling rocks, <laughs> and speed limit enforced by aircraft. That is that is that is the T word. Since David is such an expert on toughness and John is the crown prince of infrastructure, I thought perhaps the combined brain power between you could determine what is the toughest road sign commonly seen on the road. Love the show, and I'm looking forward to losing a lot of money this election season. So are we, yes. The toughest road sign. This is a good idea. It is a great idea. Speed limit enforced by aircraft is tough. So tough. That's going to be in my final four. It's really tough. You know, they have those in Virginia. They have those in Virginia and you're always just like, whatever. And then one time I got pulled over (gasps) and I was like, where were you? And he's like, we got you by aircraft. (laughs) We got you by aircraft. God damn. They're just like flying around up there in a Cessna and then they just radio down. Yeah, we got this guy. I would. So if we had a bracket, maybe we should do this as a bracket. Hmm. Do you think we could come up with 32 road signs and then do the, it's like the bad boys, the bad boy tournament, but for signs, I kind of want to do it. Okay. That could be our well, Patreon you, for the month of March. All right. Do we want to mention some of what these signs are? Other signs or do you want to just wait? Do you have, do you have a list of signs? I've got a list. Have you been thinking about this? Of course you have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a couple and then let's decide if if this has enough legs, we could do a true tournament like we did for the bad boys of the year. We could do a tournament called the toughest road signs. Do you think we could come up with 32 signs? Yeah, I think I can. I think one that you commonly see around here that I always think is tough is uh, (laughs) bridge ices before road. Yeah, that is good. it's got a you know meteorological component to it. It's almost like the Hemingway baby shoes, for sale baby shoes never worn. It's almost like this is a whole short story in three in what is it three words? No, four words. Bridge ices before road. And a lot of times they're foldable and they'll be closed. Yeah, be yeah. In, in, in the okay, this is a Patreon app. Stop talking about you know? it. Oh, yeah, all right. Okay, we'll t- we're gonna. Do God, this. I got some other ones though. Can I just point mention okay, one more? You can. You can cut I'll it give out, you one just... more. Okay, blasting zone ahead. <laughs> Yeah, that's not very tough. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's going all yeah. that's gonna be in the that's gonna yeah. that's going to the finals. Yeah. Blasting yeah. zone. Holy oh, shit. I've got this I've got some I've got all some right, right, as right. well. So okay. We'll work on that later. Okay. Thanks for the idea, Will. John, you had talked last week about this condition you have called aphantasia, where it's where when you imagine something or pictures basically you don't even look at sheep when you count sheep, which I'm still wrapping my head around. But 
We heard from some other listeners who have this condition. We're just going to read one one missive about it. Keenan wrote in and said, I too have aphantasia. And like you, I discovered the phenomenon via watching TikTok videos. The realization was something of a glass shattering moment where many of my past experiences became clearer as a result of gaining this knowledge, which I believe is the definition of irony. Like you, I too, quote unquote, picture things in my mind in the most abstract sense of the word. If I have previously seen a visual representation of something like a pair of tacky gold sneakers, I think he's talking about the Trump shoes, John. Mm -hmm. It's easier to conjure up a brief but elusive representation of that in my mind. Most of the time, though, I would describe what I see in my mind's eye as the ethereal framework of an image that falls apart the moment I try to scrutinize it. Relatable. Similar to grasping the remnants of a piece of paper that's been burned in a fire, it's delicate, fragile, and the slightest touch causes it to dissolve and flit away. Wisps carried off into the wind. Holy shit. Talk about your ghost riders in the sky. Keenan's a great writer. I quote unquote visualize things as merely concepts, not pictures, not films, not concrete memories. They're there, hazy and malformed, and then they are not. Like you, I struggle reading fiction, especially as I've gotten older. I was a voracious reader of fiction as a child, but with time I realized I couldn't find a sense of place as I read expansive flowing descriptions. I could not see the house or the field or the dusty cowboy. And that became a source of frustration that I was desperate to overcome. Unlike you, John, however, they continue, I do still love fiction. While I cannot visualize the scenes, objects, or characters as I read, I do appreciate writers who can craft thoughtful, unique sentences and paragraphs. The Oh, my God. The meandering synchronicity. Good Lord. The 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 harmonious sinew that connects words. Yeah. When I read Cormac McCarthy or Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Flannery O'Connor, I am enamored not by the imagery in their descriptions, but the combination of words that comprise said descriptions. That being said, as I get older, I've become more forgiving of myself, and I readily admit that I vastly prefer visual artistic mediums. I get lost in films, television, and video games. I am overwhelmed staring at a canvas. I'm awestruck by the beauty of photography. I wish I could capture what I see in my imagination and return to it whenever I wanted, like many people such as David say they can. Alas, this is not my reality. Well, now, wait, can you, you remember, did we talk about this last week? You can remember paintings. We talked about that. The Sword of Damocles. You can remember one painting, the Sword of Damocles at the Ackland Art Museum. Yes. But you can't remember images from movies. Is that right? I, I can remember. But everything that they are saying here is 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 very common to, to, to how my affliction, if you will, is, is that it's all very fleeting and that it's, it's there and then it just sort of goes away. But I think that's true for everybody. D- does it register as fleeting in the moment where you're like, oh, I wish I could look at this a little bit longer? Or do you just mean afterwards you're like, because it's not like when I picture an apple or remember a scene from a classic movie like E.T. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's, it's not a hallucination. Like it still is weird and hazy because it's a brain picture. It's not a real picture. Mm-hmm. And then it goes away if I don't think about it. I think everybody has that, right? I don't know. I have no idea what everyone has. I have no idea if this is a thing or not. What if we're all really the same deep down? In spite of all our differences, John, wouldn't that be something? What if we're all part of the same human family and we didn't even know it? Wouldn't that be fucked up? That would be fucked up beyond belief. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that would be effed up. 
Thanks for writing in, Keenan, and sharing. And thanks to everybody who wrote in about um, their experiences of aphantasia or counting sheep or not counting sheep. The human mind continues to be a subject of interest for yours truly. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. And you'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, and bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Goodbye. That's the end of this week's episode, folks. I wish I, I wish week. I could say there was more to it, but that's uh, that's all we got. It was a weird one, but it was yeah. So it wasn't. We'll, I wouldn't put this in a top ten episode, but I would say there were no. some good moments in this episode. They can't all be. Yeah, that's the thing. They can't all be winners, right? It's really rainy here. Oh, is that what's? Is that why it's all fucked up? Is that why you're like? Oh, is that why you sucked yeah. so bad today? You just seemed a little. No, I think the issues were with me. No, I think all that Jordan Peterson stuff. Uh, let's face it, guys. I was kind of doing that, a bit. I'm never going to get into Jordan Peterson. I have no respect for that man. You know, like I just think he's. I think he's not as smart as he thinks he is. I mean, I'm not either. Let's say that. I bet but, he is. I bet he is. I don't think he is. I kind of think people, I think everybody is probably smarter than they appear. What the That does not mean, no, 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 no. That does not mean that they are smart. But I bet Joe Rogan isn't as dumb as he seems. I still think he's dumb. I don't know if I agree with that, John. I think Joe Rogan, I think Joe Rogan's self-presentation is I'm one of those smart, dumb people. Like people think I'm dumb because I'm all built up and I look like a hundred footballs stuffed into a bag, but I'm actually pretty smart. He thinks he's a smart, dumb person, but really he's a dumb, smart, dumb person, right? Jordan Peterson, I think, is just a dumb, smart person. He presents as a smart person, but he's dumb. Do you know what I mean? The trick is to be a smart, dumb, smart person. That's very difficult. Not many people can do that. But I think podcasting and men's rights and just the whole contemporary, uh, the intellectual dark web. Remember the intellectual dark web? Yeah. That is filled with people who think they are smart, dumb people, but really they're dumb, smart, dumb people. And that reduces down to just they're dumb people. And I think Jordan Peterson he might be smarter than he thinks he is. No, there's no way he's smart. Did you say he... How could he prove to you that he's smart? By having an extended conversation where he doesn't sound like a fucking stupid idiot is one way we could what do it. What if he took a standardized test? <laughs> okay, yeah. If he does good on the standardized test, then I'll know he's actually smart. What are you talking about? Because he can like... I'm, I'm figure just out saying, the radius of a tell? fucking triangle you... or something like who gives a I shit don't... or he knows like the definition of a word that's not intelligence okay johnny i i just i don't know how you measure intelligence john last week i thought you said you were a student of aristotle you think aristotle's gonna fuck around with a standardized test which of these chariots has a longer stick attached to it that's not that's not <laughs> intelligence <laughs>
All right. <laughs> Compute the if the Parthenon leaves the trade station at six p.m. and the and the Temple of Osiris leaves the same station at four p.m. When do they meet? What? No. So if you can't figure that out, so, okay, because I'm not good at that type. Yeah, of that stuff. has nothing to do with intelligence. I don't. Think. Okay, good. Yeah, I or not the intelligence that I find um, that makes humanity better, you know, or makes it richer or deeper doesn't matter what time a fucking train leaves a train station y'all you know do you remember intelligent design speaking of intelligence <laughs> this is the best post credit sequence ever intelligent yeah. design because people were like how explain how these majestic redwoods and and cliffs were built if not by intelligent design right you know what i, I we've talked about this before or maybe i made a cartoon about it years ago but john mccain said that about the grand canyon he was like, then explain the Grand Canyon. I was like, bruh, you picked a hole in the ground. That's what? your argument for intelligent design. A huge fucking hole. I mean, that's like how the the explorers were first like, when they saw the Grand Canyon, they were like, oh, there's no way that the world is 6,000 years old. Right. What about when McCain was in the Hanoi Hilton and he looked down and his guard had drawn a cross in the sand. A true thing that happened. Was that intelligent design? That might have been intelligent design. Yeah. Let's truly stop talking now. What are we going to do now? What? What do you mean? I'm going to press stop and we're going to be done with the episode and that's it. And then we disappear. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Talk to you next week. You know, another great one, <laughs> another great You just sign. don't want to hang up, do you? I love I don't, this. It's because, so cute. Because I have these signs. Oh, you're I, so, I, I get it. You're so ready to talk about these tough road signs. I want to. Okay. Okay. So we're, can I just no, mention a few other, we'll, you can, you can cut them out. You can cut them out. No, 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 no. Save it for the Patreon. Okay. But can I just mention to you right now?